This is Joseph Chateau-Rapaye, pastor of Advent Lutheran Church in Wyckoff, New Jersey. This is our summer series on Anxious to Talk About It, helping white Christians talk faithfully about racism. For the next seven or eight weeks, we're going to be working through Carolyn Helsel's Anxious to Talk About It, helping white Christians talk faithfully about racism. If you go to our website and scroll down to the Faith at Home page, you can find a selection from the first chapter for this week. It's probably about 10 or 15 minutes worth of reading, and you don't need to do it for this audio reflection to make sense, but it might be helpful to you. Carolyn Helsell is a Presbyterian pastor who also teaches hermeneutics that's preaching at Austin Presbyterian Seminary. And to locate her a little bit socially, she's a white woman from Texas, which she talks a little bit about in the first chapter, describing her own development and thinking about race. And as you can probably guess from the title, this is a book that's aimed at white Christians. And we're reading this as a congregation because we are a predominantly white congregation in a predominantly white town. And this book is by no means exhaustive, and it isn't like you read it and you have solved racism. In fact, the book really isn't about racism at all. It's really about helping us have better conversations about race and racism. This is sort of foundation work. And there are two really important things that she does in the book, and she introduces both of these in the first chapter. And it's helpful to parse through both of these one by one. The first one, as you can probably guess from the title, is to focus on emotions. We often do this thing where we have very serious conversations And we just dive in without thinking about them. Part of what she wants us to do is slow down and examine the emotions that go with our feelings about race. So let me give you a simple example of this. In the first chapter, she talks a little bit about the evolution of the Black Lives Matter movement that came about after the murder of Trayvon Martin in 2012. The first time you saw the phrase Black Lives Matter whether it was on the news or on Twitter or wherever, what did you feel? Did you feel defensive? Did you feel accused? Did you feel confused? Or did you feel a sense of solidarity? Did you feel a sense of recognition in that? Part of what Hellsell's trying to do here is help us be more mindful about our conversations about racism. So if a conversation about race makes us feel a certain way, let's say, anxious, defensive, worked up, frustrated, she wants us to think about where that emotion comes from. And when you recognize that emotion, you can start to think about where it emerges from in your own experience. One of the things that Hellsell wants us to start thinking about with racism isn't just what we see on the news and the identities that get activated by the news, but the stories from our own lives. In the discussion guide for this chapter, Helsell puts it this way. Think about the stories that come to mind for you and name the feelings that they bring up. So did you have a formative experience dealing with race that made you feel angry, ashamed, frustrated, empowered? How does that experience affect the way you think about race today? So you can see here, and as I noted earlier, this part of the book really actually isn't about racism itself. It's about helping us have better, more mindful, more productive conversations, where instead of just reacting to our emotions and trying to get somebody else to recognize them, we acknowledge where they come from ourselves first. 
The second thing that Helsall does is broaden the way we're used to talking about racism. Helsall writes that many of us white people who grew up after the 1960s believe that after the civil rights movement, racism was no longer a major problem. We believe there were still racists in extreme cases, skinheads and KKK members, but that most white people knew better than to be racist. It was socially unacceptable to be racist. It was only the result of ignorance that led to racism. So you were not ignorant, and you seemed to be relatively socially astute. Then your self-perception was that you were not one of them, the racists who lived out there. The attitude that she's talking about here is really about prejudice. Prejudice has to do with how we value the worth of others. So KKK members, to use her example, were and are extremely prejudiced. They have explicitly prejudiced views that value certain types of people more than others. When Helsell talks about racism, she's talking about power, which is different. And when we talk about power, we're often not talking about explicit views that we have personally. We're talking about the ways that we've organized the society we live in, the ways that we hold power. And we hold power in a bunch of different ways. We have money, land, capital, political agency, control of institutions. So Helsell is talking less here about personal beliefs than about systems. When she talks about systemic racism, that's a phrase you've probably seen in the news a lot, she's talking about the ways that our economic, political, and social institutions reinforce power within white communities. A really tangible example of this is the Federal Housing Authority loan program. The FHA made homeownership a reality for millions of white Americans in the 20th century, from the 30s through the late 60s, I believe. And they did it by backstopping mortgages. But it refused to back loans to black households or people who live near black households. If you think about redlining, that's essentially what this is. To use Hellsell's language, this policy was prejudiced, right? It explicitly valued some types of people more than others. But it was also systemically racist. Because even when the practice was stopped, it had concentrated an immense amount of power and wealth in white communities. Home ownership, we know, is one of the best ways to create and pass on wealth within families, and that had been kept away from entire groups of people. This is one reason why the U.S. has an immense racial wealth gap. According to the Urban Institute, White family wealth was seven times greater than black family wealth, and five times greater than Hispanic family wealth in 2016. And despite some fluctuations over the past five decades, this disparity is as high or higher than it was in 1963. It's worth just pausing to hear that last line again. Quote, Despite some fluctuations over the past five decades, this disparity, the wealth gap, is as high or higher than it was in 1963. That's what Helsell is talking about when she talks about racism. She's not just talking about our own personal views. She's also talking about the kinds of things that we take for granted as normal. What kind of neighborhood we live in or we could live in. What kind of schools we go to. What kind of schools we can send our kids to. What kinds of opportunities we have access to. How do we create pass on and distribute power. 
So in closing, let's try to tie these two things together. When Helsel talks about systemic racism as opposed to personal prejudice, how does that fit with your own experience? What's your emotional reaction to that? Does that make you feel defensive, like you can't just educate people out of racism? Does it make you feel relieved, like that explains something about the world that you didn't quite understand before? So in closing, just two questions for you to think about. First, what was the most formative experience you had involving race and racism? And second, what has your experience of racism been in church? Is racism something that people talk about? Why or why not? I hope those questions give you something to reflect on this week, and I look forward to talking more with you next week. 